This is a Triple J podcast. So I just went and got some lunch before we jumped into the studios to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, like at the counter, this girl just next to me who was ordering just gave like a really big sigh. <laughs> and then the person serving us was like, how are you? And she was just like, <sighs> tired. And I was like, mood, babe mood and I was like absolutely same and then the person at the counter was like every single person that has come in today has said that like I feel like everyone at the moment is just crawling to the finish line of this year we're not well and it's okay and it's kind of like a nice feeling like random at the cafe person you're standing next to in the tram like you can just tell the energy is down we are trying our best um, and I don't know why we actually chose to do these topics actually coming up because these are like some of the more complex, heavier ones that we've done of the year. And Dee and I were like, let's just put it well, in at the end. Well, Pip and I at the start of the year kind of talked about some of the, the really big themes that we wanted to like unpack and talk to you about this year. And one of them was like men's mental health masculinity, being able to open up and be vulnerable. And it just took us a while to lock the people that we wanted to get on to these episodes for you to chat to, to lock them in. And it just all happened to be <laughs> right at the very in the last. the final, like, three weeks of our year. <laughs> so My God. So, I mean, technically we could blame other people, not ourselves. <laughs> but, look, we are actually really excited to get into this one. We're going to stop complaining and kick on. Yes. No, we feel very passionately about this and I'm sure you listening do as well. Um, But a bit of a content warning before we get into this, like we do talk about violence, um, we talk about mental health, so feel free to stop and start this podcast and come back to it and we'll put some um, resources in the show notes as well. All right, let's get into it. There's been such a huge conversation, Pip, over the past couple of years around masculinity, Uh, There's been a really big spotlight on it. I think a lot of conversations around violence, um, you know, family violence, domestic violence, consent, sexual assault, all of that stuff. Not to mention the word toxic masculinity is such a buzzword. It's been trending for, yeah, really hard the past couple of years, maybe two, three years. And I think we're understanding masculinity more and more, which is great, but I still think we obviously have a long way to go about what it means to be a guy, a man, a boy. And I think now more than ever men are questioning this. Totally. And we're seeing, which we're going to get into in this episode, the rise of young guys turning to people and personalities like Andrew Tate, um, Jordan Peterson, like those kind of voices in our media landscape that people view as problematic. Yeah. So one of the leading experts in this area is Dr. Zach Seidler. He's a clinical psych and he's currently the global health research director for Movember. So perfect timing for this topic. He knows so much about it. He's so interested in it and has like a personal investment in it as well. Um, And we asked him, with the fact that this is such a hot button topic, what kind of impact is it having on men? It's leading to many men shying away in the corner and going, is there something pathological about my manhood? Is there something fundamentally broken about what has been expected of me throughout my years, throughout my teenage years and adolescence of, of trying to understand who I am and what I should be? It's, it's been exhausting for them. And now this, this notion that there is something broken is causing serious division. And that's what we're witnessing play out across society where you're getting this 
breakdown amongst, you know, seemingly progressive men and then, you know, conservative guys who are trying to hold on to the old ways for dear life. We need to find a middle ground. That confusion that Zach's talking about is people's, yeah, people's confusion about whether or not they should be emulating and looking to that really stereotypical traditional male stereotype, the one we've seen for centuries, like in our granddads and our dads. And uh, yeah, I'll let Zach describe it a bit more. So the traditional stereotype of masculinity is really rigid. It's really rigid and it is precarious. You are constantly in this world where the goalposts are moving it's around being stoic self-reliant you know this this guy in the 60s who was describing what masculinity was he talked about the sturdy oak you know you're this immovable object you're a protector you're a provider you're the breadwinner it it sounds horrible to me (laughs) um it's it's this thing that uh you know seemingly is this construct that you should be striving to attain but it's unattainable and it's what so many men believe to be the pinnacle of what what manhood looks like. Pip, we put this up on our Instagram and asked if it was relatable for guys that they felt they had to subscribe to a certain, you know, that traditional stereotype of a man. Yeah, and or just like if anyone is like suffering in silence really because they feel they cannot open up because it's seen as weak. It's yeah. seen as not strong. And so many people got back to us. Yeah. This person here says, I've always been a sensitive person. I felt intense shame for showing my emotions as a kid because the masculine stereotype says you need to be strong and don't cry. Yeah. A lot of guys getting in touch about the crying thing. Um, Also, Troy got in touch. Um, He sent us a voice memo in our DMs. Um, and he was talking about his experience of growing up um, surrounded by a lot of traditional masculinity kind of ideals um, and, yeah, really feeling pressure to not be able to be emotional or open up. I remember um, being at private boy school, um, uh, there was a lot, like, there was a big sporting culture, so there was a lot of, like, masculine energy going around, especially around, like, guys being tough and not showing that vulnerable side. Um, I remember, I think because of that, looking back now, I feel like I was in a way like the set more sensitive, like sensitive outcast in a way. So it was kind of hard to connect to people that had those ideals. And yeah, I remember chatting one day with a few people about, and they were talking about like seeing their dads cry. And one said, oh, I've only seen my dad cry once. And it was kind of sound like he was proud of it. Like it's a real tough thing. But I remember thinking, like, who the who the fuck cares if your dad cries? Like, that's good. That's a natural emotion. Totally agree with Troy. And you know what's really interesting is a lot of you told us in our DMs and, you know, Pip, I feel like I've noticed this in my own personal life with guys is that they have, feel like they have to wear this mask. Like, mm. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I had this with an ex where he would act so differently in front of me when it was just us two. And he would be really soft and sensitive and vulnerable and, like, cry and be, like, even the voice changed. Yeah. And then he'd go in front of, like, all his guy friends and then suddenly it would be, like, his body language changed. He'd be strong and stoic and, like, he would, like, change the voice. Like, his voice would literally change. Yeah. Depending on who he was around. I can understand, like, little changes because we're all a little bit different when we're, like, in our safe, vulnerable Mm. home place, I guess, with a partner. But... 
Yeah, just even like voice changes and just like their behavior. And if it's something that we can clock, and I think I've experienced this too, it's a problem. Like that's a problem. If you can't be at least a little bit real and emotional with your friends at some point. Or just authentically authentically yourself, right? Yeah. And this is something that Dr. Zach said. He said that there's like a disconnect between the values that – men are feeling compared to what they're actually seeing and consuming in the media and society on TikTok, that kind of thing about who they should be versus who they personally feel they are. Mm. It's actually got a name for it and it's called the perception gap. Oh, fancy. This difference between the way that men see themselves and their own values and the way that society talks about manhood and masculinity. We want to get to the point where public and private masculinities can look the same. The way that a guy is with his partner at home with his kids and the way that he moves, you know, in the workplace or or at the pub, you know, it's so exhausting to put on these different masks all the time. You know, going back to Troy, who we heard before, imagine keeping up that act for like, you know, 10 years of schooling or more, like be having to be like the bro and not ever revealing that sensitive, shy kid that you actually are and just having to wear that mask. Like what Zach said, it would be fucking exhausting. Yeah, and I've got so many guy friends or gay guy friends who have spoken about their experience in high school where they've, you know, this is a whole other like element of having to pretend to be straight but also having to pretend to be like a jock when you're just like not at all. Yeah, like you have to constantly be this traditional idea of strong and like not talking about feelings and like like a king in bed, your hypersexual, like your performance, like you're a winner. You're rooting Like it's everyone. all about fucking success. And like for us women, I think we've spoken about this before, but we're literally like, we just want to get by. <laughs> just want to survive. Just want to survive. Honestly. Not die. <laughs> and I think a lot of guys are getting like this external pressure to, yeah, feel like they have to be the best. They have to succeed and like crush. Naturally, with like my story, I think that I fell into just being the sporty guy, being the you know because I really enjoyed playing sport and that was my thing. And it's like, all right, well, if you play sport, you know, you got to get the the hot girl. That's got to be your girlfriend, and you've got to um you know play this role now. And it's like prom king, prom queen. Like I don't know, like you know, you grow up watching yeah, like American, yeah, you grow up watching like those shows, and you just think that's what what is going on. Someone who felt that hugely. Um, is Dylan Buckley. If you haven't heard of him before, he is a podcaster, an ex-AFL player. He has a podcast called Dylan Friends. It's huge. He interviews a lot of ex-AFL players, current AFL players, like athletes, just like really incredible, interesting people. And he has a lot of really like vulnerable conversations with him. So he's been on like such a huge journey, which you're going to hear about in the couple of episodes that we're doing. But he spoke about how he automatically just became the jock in high school, like you just heard. Like his dad was an ex-famous AFL player, so he was always kind of like, I don't know, like he just he was doing footy in high school. It was always going to be that he was going to play AFL and then he actually got drafted and started playing AFL. Uh, Which, by the way, AFL, if you are listening from overseas, is Australian Football League, question mark? I'm from Melbourne. I'm literally going to get spiked outside because it's everything to Melburnians. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. So when when Dylan started playing AFL and was in, like, a club full of men and boys, like, there was a very, I guess, like, traditional mass culture that he he had to subscribe to. As a young man, like, you have to – there's nearly that quote. It's like, you know, they say you try everything once and then there's other ones like you try everything twice because the first time you might not have liked it, you got to try it one more time. And I think that was just what I was doing, sucking and seeing what 
the things for me were, you know, did I enjoy going out clubbing? Like, well, I had to go and do it first and learn that probably wasn't my favorite thing. Like I'm more of a morning guy. I love getting up early, going for a walk, getting a coffee versus staying out late. Did I like punting, you know, on the, on gambling? Like, sure, there was some fun times and you had those relationships with friends, but I didn't really like losing money. Um, didn't give me uh, much satisfaction. And also like with the story of friendships, like as you get older, you realize how much that does affect a lot of your mates and you go far out, you know, like this is, this shit is really dangerous. So I think there's a, a bit of trial and error around that. And it's, yeah, it's definitely not a point of like, if you've done something like that before, it doesn't mean you can't change. But I think what I realized I was doing as a young guy was like, I really wanted to be liked versus mm-hmm. being respected. So, yeah, going back to what we were talking about before, there's obviously this big spotlight on masculinity and what it means. And a lot of guys, as you've heard so far, sometimes feel a little bit lost. Maybe they don't even know that they're feeling that confusion. But I think now that there's so much focus on it, guys are wondering, like, what is their place in society, in relationships and everything? It's just like a big questioning moment. And I think, you know, we can't talk about this without mentioning – the people who are getting cancelled quite regularly online, the Andrew Tates, the Jordan Petersons, Joe Rogans even. Um, and it's sort of turning into this culture war where people are really divided about it, which in turn can be really confusing for young guys who might find a lot of similarities with people like Andrew Tate or they like cherry-picking things that he does, but then he's getting cancelled for being problematic in other ways. Um, and Zach actually has another very hot academic thing to say about this. It comes to a perfectly academic term that I would love to drop in here, which is called ontological insecurity. And what that means is that many young men wake up in the morning and fundamentally don't know who they are or who they should be. And this is why I think we are seeing women and girls succeeding across the board. We are seeing them overtake men, you know, in employment, in education, in health, and, you know, power to them. Uh, it's, it's incredible to finally see women, you know, striving for, for greatness and having the, the shackles taken off. But we should be very concerned about what's happening with our boys and men because no one benefits if we get to a society where they are not able to reach their potential. And so this ontological insecurity, this feeling of shame, of distancing, this, this idea that their identity is in some way being played out in the culture wars and is is not something that they can go and have conversations with in the light of day. They have to go onto 4chan and Reddit to try to grapple with who they are, what it means to be a man. And those aren't the places where we necessarily want them to be having these chats. We want to accept and challenge young guys, especially to come out and have these discussions in the pub at a dinner party, but it's become so polarizing and they're, they're, they're really pretty terrified of, of not only being cancelled, but of just being misrepresented. And it's not even the idea alone of being misrepresented. It's the idea of not knowing how to represent themselves in the first place uh, because these conversations have been considered taboo and stigmatised. And, you know, the term toxic is thrown around. Peyton Peterson and Rogan are, are dominating here. Sometimes, especially as a woman, um, it is really hard when you see really cooked units <laughs> like Andrew Tate 
um, Jordan Peterson and all, like just anyone that spreads hateful stuff on the internet or yep. whatever and guys say that they like them or they follow them or they listen to them or they listen to their podcast or they read their book or whatever and it's really hard. Like I feel like when I've, I've just always written someone off as soon as they've mentioned their name. And even before when I said like there are some guys who cherry pick the things that they like, like even that rubs me the wrong way because I'm like, yeah, but doesn't all the shit that he says that is problematic and outrageous outweigh that feeling of like, yeah, but he has some good things about bing bong potato. I'm literally like, well, he did say some pretty cool shit about women, you know? Mm, <laughs> like, I just like immediately shut the person down. I'm like not interested yeah. in talking to you. Whereas it was so, for us people, it was so interesting chatting to Zach because he was like, that's not going to achieve anything. And mm. I was like, okay, cool. Well, maybe we should be like when someone says that they listen to Jordan Peterson or Jordan or Andrew Taylor, whoever, maybe we should challenge them. And he was like, no, it goes, it's not even challenging them and trying to like tell them why and like educate them. It's like just being curious about why, what is it about these men that they like so much? Yeah, because at that point, some of those strongly held beliefs or what they thought were strongly held start to unravel. It's beyond being challenged. They they should have an ability to describe why they listen to this stuff, what it means to them. You know, the idea that uh, we're always right and they're always wrong is a very dangerous stance to have moving into any conversation. You know, we've done heaps of research looking at why and how people get into the manosphere, what this type of content does for many young men. And largely it's because it offers them a really clear doctrine of how to be. It says Peterson wrote 12 rules for life. It's literally wake up in the morning, make your bed. It's pretty, pretty simple. Everyone else is like, here's consent. It's gray. It's really, you know, and they're like, what the fuck? I don't know what's going on here. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the 12 rules. That sounds easier. <laughs> um, we need to find a way to simplify what modern masculinity, masculinity can be and to realize that these guys are seeking out these voices and many things that these guys say, you know, I've watched plenty of it. It's mildly terrifying. My partner's worried about my YouTube algorithm, but the, the, when it comes down to it, if you actually watch lots of this stuff, you know, 40% of it is innocuous. It is, this is, you need to respect people. You need to respect yourself. You need to work hard, you know? They've got this underlying belief about self-betterment, which is what attracts the young men to it. It just so happens that there is always a wash of misogyny and homophobia. And so many of the young men, they leave and they're like, no, 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 I didn't buy into any of that stuff. But when you're watching hours and hours of it, it you know takes its toll. So we want to have that conversation about what was it that really drew your attention? What was it that gave you a sense of meaning and purpose? And how can we find another mechanism to provide you with that sense of identity. Pete, when we started organizing this episode, we were going to call it about toxic masculinity. Like we're going to use toxic masculinity in the title. Oh, 100. It was going to be huge focus on quote unquote toxic masculinity. But turns out Dr. Zach does not like that term at all. Um, and he reckons it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've got a lot of thoughts about this term and I, and lots of them come from my clinical experience and, and, you know, sitting down in a room with a young guy who is displaying some of these behaviors. I can assure you the second you drop that term, he's out. He's got no desire to engage with you in behavior change, to engage with you in conversation about 
what it means to be a man and how to move through this world. The reason I do not like the term toxic masculinity is because it is overly simplistic and it implies this innate fixed idea of what it means to be a man. And all that does is push the very guys away that we need to bring into the conversation. There is no benefit in labeling the enemy being 50% of the population, you know, this thing that they're born with, this, this gender that they're born with as being problematic and pathological. How are we going to get to a solution if, if that's the way that we go about this? Instead, what I talk about is there has to be an understanding that there are certain behaviors that men enact that are toxic, that are dangerous to themselves and that are dangerous to others. But there is a spectrum here and there, are, there is context and there are times and places. And if we attribute this thing to, to many young guys, for instance, who are going through serious identity formation and we say this is toxic masculinity, there will be a self-fulfilling prophecy that takes place and they will start to believe that this is something that, that is a part of them and it will just lead to more and more shit behaviour. Toxic masculinity as a term strips men of responsibility. It strips them of their agency because it says this thing that you have, that you have been handed to you, is broken. And so whatever happens is somewhat out of your control. It's not a decision-making process. It's toxic. And that's the way that you are and always have been and always will be. Yeah. So after we heard this, obviously, Dee and I were like, well, let's go back to the drawing board on this one. Won't and be it's, using the term toxic masculinity. It's anymore. funny, yeah, because I literally like everything makes sense about what he's just said about that. Like, and it's hard to almost hear because I mean, it, it, it rolls off the tongue, and it's such a buzzword, and it, like people understand you when you say it. Also, you might be listening and just being like, "That's a bit bullshit." What the fuck do we call men who? So, like, what do we call the violent epidemic that we, you know? Yeah. Like, 68 women have been murdered this year. And it's like, what do we call the violent epidemic that we're seeing, like, roll out across Western society? It's like, if that's not toxic masculinity, then what is it? Well, Zach says at that point, it is entirely something else. Well, it's murderous. Like, it's it's not even toxic. Like, toxic is, is bullshit to describe what is happening from a the epidemic of violence. It's its something uh, that is baked into our society. And masculinity is one of many reasons. You know, there's entitlement, there's, there's shame, there's mental health, there's, you know, all of these relational factors to, to you know, bring it all down to, to masculinity, I think is simplifying what's going on. And it's the reason that we're not succeeding in attempting to solve this stuff. So, Talking about violence in like a family situation or a domestic situation is such a complex issue and we're not really going to focus on that. We're going to really focus more on how these ideas of traditional masculinity can somewhat influence that and plant a seed because, you know, what you are being shown and what you're being shown in the media or in your own family and friend dynamics as a kid or even as a young impressionable adult can really affect like the way that you grow up and see masculinity and therefore affect your decision making. 
Well, someone who knows a lot about this and has experienced firsthand the impact of family violence is trying to break this cycle with the advocacy work he does is victim survivor Connor Paul. He's the deputy chair of the Victim Survivors Advisory Council to the Victorian government and, yeah, like a huge advocate in this space. When he was younger, he had family violence perpetrated against him and I guess that impacted his sense of masculinity. It, like, became warped about what he thought it meant to be a man. Um, And this was, you know, happening when he was super young, growing up in school, trying to figure out who he was. My experience of masculinity was someone who's violent, someone who doesn't talk about their emotions, someone who lashes out. It actually took him physically leaving Australia, the country, um, to get away from this sort of violent family home life to a different country to then realise that what was happening to him was not normal behaviour and it definitely wasn't normal like masculinity I guess. I actually went on an exchange to Italy um, in 2020 so at the height of COVID to sort of run away from everything that was happening at home and during those three months that I was living in Italy my host dad showed me what it was to be a man and I realised that what was happening back home was not was not okay And the feelings that I was feeling wasn't normal. It was the first time that I'd seen, you know, a family dynamic, a healthy family dynamic. And my host dad really showed me what it was to be a man who was kind, who was loving, who was caring, who was emotional um, and not violent. Um, He still got angry, but that's okay. Men can get angry. They just don't. They do it in different ways. Something that Connor has learnt through his experience and also through all the advocacy he does is... You've got to call out and stop the, like, masculine-driven behaviours from turning toxic when you see them happening. Like, call them out. Men don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to use violence. Boys don't wake up one day and say, you know what, today I'm going to perpetrate violence against my partner. It, it starts off in, in, little, like in little ways and little things like the locker room talk that we see at schools and boys normalising talking about women and objectifying women in negative ways. You know, it, it's little things like not sharing um, domesticated roles in the household and not not cleaning up after yourself, making mum do all of those jobs. It's little things that accumulate into violence and women and children being murdered. By the way, Dee and I, when we think about what we think masculinity is. We have like no issue with guys being masculine. And like, I think a lot of the times, especially recently, there are so many dudes on the internet being like, they keep trying to take this away from us. Like they're making our boys soft and like our men's, you know, like we're not allowed to do masculine things. And we're like, no, no, no. Like we're not saying that. We just don't want it to get to the level of problematic and toxic that it can um, yeah, you need the yin and the yang. Yeah. Everyone everyone should have yin and yang. Everyone should have masculine and feminine energies. Totally. Also, we could get really fucking meta and just be like, what even is masculine, feminine? Like, why are the, like, who's what? And why is there why a binary? We, why is there a binary? And why are we gendering this? But anyway. We literally should just be fluid about all of this. Everyone but should have all the traits. At the end of the day, I still love a guy who puts his arm on the back of the headrest while reversing. I'm like, that's hot. I'm not trying to take that away from you. Like, do that. Like, I find that mask and attractive but I also love it when girls do that do you same know I mean? 
It's hot and mask when anyone does it. Everyone can do it. (laughs) And yeah, Zach totally agrees with this as well. He's like, we're not trying to like, like stamp out any of the good traditional traits of like the stoic man. And so what I always talk about is that there are certain benefits to the traditional ways of being. Stoicism is a very, very healthy form of masculinity. Uh, Many women, you know, are extremely stoic and it's something that keeps everyone safe in a crisis. The, The ability to put your head down and just keep going. But you can't do that all the time. You need to make sure that when things are are overwhelming, you have people to reach out to and and social connection is is life saving, you know. So there are so many different things that that guys get pretty uh, you know steadfast about, and we need to open that up to to a flexible masculinity moving forward. Speaking of being flexible with masculinity, I a hundred percent agree with that, Zach. We should just bust down the doors of this binary traditional view of it, this definition. And make sure that guys are seeing like a diverse range of masculinity. Um, It's not just one. That's like Zach was like, it's not just one thing. Yeah. The way that I see it is that there is no one masculinity. If we say toxic masculinity, that implies there is one thing you should all be striving for. You should all be working towards. And if you don't get there, you failed. This success and failure narrative that so many young men are grappling with each day is the exhausting thing that we want to get them away from. We want to talk about masculinities, the fact that there are multiple ways of being and that just because you acted one way the day before, you do not have to do that again. Speaking of different types of masculinity, uh, this has obviously been a big episode, but like we said at the start, Peep and I are doing two eps. You, in this next episode next week, you are going to hear from a variety of different guys who are really making a difference in this space, like really showing up and showing yeah. the different ways that men can live and exist that are more vulnerable, emotional, open. Obviously, you heard a little bit of Dylan Buckley today, but he's going to be in this next ep even more as well as two of the guys from The Imperfects, Ryan Shelton, as well as Josh Van Kallenberg. Um, So, yeah, please make sure you keep an eye on your feeds because... It's going to be a really good one. And more of Zach, obviously, because he's such amazing. an amazing person and an Obsessed. expert in the space. And, yeah, like going back to what he was saying about different types of masculinity, he's like, you know, this idea that it, guys can't change. It's like, no, he says they can change and they need to take ownership and agency of how they show up in the world every single day. There has to be an understanding of rehabilitation and regulation of behaviour. Guys can do whatever they want, whenever they want. These are all decisions that are within their control, and we want to lean them towards the light, towards discussing this stuff with with friends and family. I don't want them to go and just throw this stuff on their mothers and partners and the women with the emotional labor. We want this to be shared amongst mankind, you know, so that they can do the work, understand it, and go, what are what are the different versions of me? What are the different ways that I enact my masculinity? What are some ways... that are are harmful and that I want to start to work on? And what are some ways that are beautiful? What do I do with my daughter? How do I go about looking after my my partner when she's sick? You know, how can we find ways to ramp up, you know, the healthy masculinities and to start to go, what are those behaviours that are really not in my best interest? How can I work on those? As Zach just said before about, yeah, not giving this mental load fully to the women and mums and partners and sisters in your lives, um, Connor had some pretty pretty heavy words to leave you with on this as well. 
the common denominator in the story of family violence and sexual violence and domestic violence is men. 97% of violence that is committed is committed by men towards men, towards women, towards children, towards members of the LGBTQIA plus community. So having that conversation and that frank and fearless conversation with young boys to say, hey, we're actually part of the problem, but we should be part of the solution as well. say mm. it is so like connor hearing a guy speak up about violence like male violence the perpetrators it's like men are violent towards men and men are violent towards women yeah and it's just so nice to have guys speaking up about that violence as well yeah it was really interesting we actually got a dm from somebody and they totally like just nailed this on the head they were like we hate the patriarchy as well. Like, it's shit for everybody. And that's kind of what is happening right now. And we're going to really unpack this in the next episode as well. A bit more of, like, a how-to to help you if you are feeling like you're hearing what we're saying and you're like, but how do I get mm. there? How do I be vulnerable? How do I open up and be emotional and kind of, I guess, break free from the shackles of the patriarchal masculinity? Well... As we said, that's coming up in the next ep, so make sure you look out for it. Also, if this episode did bring up anything for you, Lifeline is available and you can phone them anytime on 13 11 14. And men's line as well on 1300 78 9978. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye.